Are you a business owner looking for real advice and input? You're in the right place. From concept to launch to growth, funding and beyond. Welcome to Startup Hustle with your hosts. One once sold a business for $150 million. The other, the author of Million Dollar Bedroom. Here are your hosts of Startup Hustle, Matt DeCourcy and Matt Watson. And we're back. Another episode of Startup Hustle. Matt DeCourcy here with Lisa Tamayo, who will be sitting in for Matt Watson today. Hey. Hi, Lisa. How are you doing? You know, I'm, I'm, I'm excellent and improving, as I like to say, which is also a good That's way. It's always to, good. It's a good way to test to see if people are actually paying attention. Yeah. Because sometimes you'll say that to people and they'll go. Oh, that's okay. You know, like they don't know what to say. And you're like, oh, so you really weren't listening. And yeah. Well, I'm going to go ahead and do a little heavy lifting here. And then okay. I'm going to tell the world who you are. First off, today's okay. episode of Startup Hustle is brought to you by Fullscale.io. We help you build development teams quickly and affordably. Now with me today is Lisa Tamayo, who's the CEO and co-founder of Scholar. And when I say Scholar, I'm not necessarily referring to being educated, am I? Well, I mean, there's a, a play on words there. We yeah. did that very intentionally because it's spelled differently. It's smart collar. Right. But an animal that's wearing our device is a smart I like dog it. or cat, right? So they're a scholar. You know, you know what I think would be smart is if our listeners would open up a browser or on their phone, go to S-C-O-L-L-A-R, scholar.com, yep. so they can see what we're talking about, why we're doing it. Awesome. Yeah. Totally interactive, right? That's, yes. I'm sure that the world of the internet just flooded your website with, with visits just <laughs> I right sure now. I hope so. Good work, people. Good work. <laughs> Thank you. You can also go to at Scholar Tales on the gram, and they're all over the other social medias, so go check it out. So back to what we're here to do and talk about the startup hustle. Um Let's get your, let's get the back. What's the origin story with Scholar? Like, how do you get into building animal IoT devices? Yeah. Um, accidentally. Um, common. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. And, uh, I, and it's kind of a, it's, it's a sickness, uh, entrepreneurs and, and I am a dyed in the wool serial entrepreneur. This is company number five. Congratulations. Yeah. And I'm sorry. Yeah. Thank you. Yeah. And, <laughs> and also so true. extend that apology to those that, that live in and around your life. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. The struggle so, is real people. So yeah. true. Um, we, uh, so I've been building companies with my husband for over 20 years and we, um, had, I had finally extracted him from Autodesk. They purchased our first technology in 2008 and he worked with Autodesk helping to integrate that for a long, long time. And I finally said, get out of there. Let's do something else. Let's start another company. And we were trying to figure out what we wanted to do. And we realized that we were struggling with our animals. Um, why is the dog jumping on the fence again? There's an invisible fence. Oh, it's because the battery's dead and we don't know. Why are there so many callers? Why are we struggling so much to know if the animals are fed? Why are they scratching all the time? And it's just because there's this ripe opportunity to create a, a system that captures all of that in one device. And we went, oh, that's fantastic. Then we did that thing that all entrepreneurs do. We said, how hard could that be? Yeah. This will only take a few months. Yeah. And only $100,000. <laughs> yeah. And that's, of course, a lie. It was a bald-faced lie. <laughs> it's taken us four years and a whole lot more than that. <laughs> Once again, common. <laughs> So you you know you mentioned uh, kind of entrepreneurship being yeah. a bit of a sickness. Mm -hmm. I mean, it really is. You know, it's uh, now the term serial entrepreneur. I think is overused by mm -hmm. many, mm -hmm. but yeah, it is a bit of a, a it is a bit of a sickness. Um, it's something like that term a glutton for punishment. Mm -hmm. Keep signing up for it. Now, when when exactly was that timeline you just described? Like when was when did Scholar become a real thing? Uh, we started conceiving Scholar in 2015, kind of midway through that year. Um, the collar that you will see on the website now is completely different than the original collar we conceived. Um, we did that thing that most entrepreneurs do, and we paid the dumb tax, which means that we had conceived a specific um, form factor for it and then <laughs> put it in the hands of people, and it didn't work. Like it started coming apart. It was an overmold. And so we went to CES, we were in Eureka Park. So over the course of a few days, thousands of people played with that collar. And, and day two, it started coming apart. And so we were like, we just wasted a hundred thousand bucks on this. So we had to go back to the drawing board 
and start over. And it's just, you know, it's been stuff like that along the way that slowed us down. Um, but we also have several hundred customers, pre-order customers that have taken the journey with us and they want a caller that they're absolutely in love with. And so I just tell them, look, stay with us because we're getting closer and closer to giving you the caller you want, the caller I want. Do you have pets? Yeah. I had pets until they started biting my my children. Oh, yeah. We had the we had two French bulldogs prior to having. Uh, I have a three year old and a five year old. Oh no, yeah. But those yeah, dogs, no they were our babies, mm-hmm. and then they didn't like the babies when the mm-hmm. babies came. Mm-hmm. So now they live with a friend. Uh-huh. But yeah, I I get it. The struggle is real on that. Um, I've had pets my whole life. Mm-hmm. We have a cat. Mm-hmm. Um, a cat's really low maintenance. I don't have to track it around a lot, but mm-hmm. I did once have a dog that w- would get out occasionally mm-hmm. and it was just was like, a runner? I, well, I wouldn't say a runner, but a wanderer, uh-huh. <laughs> you know, and, uh, he would just kind of cruise around. Visiting. I mean, it's some, yeah. and when that would happen, it was, it was, uh, it was like, oh man. All right. Mm-hmm. So it's super nice dog, but it was a pit bull chow mix. Mm-hmm. So like, here's the thing. The reality is, is him just, he was, he would have trotted up to you and like licked your hand mm-hmm. and your arm or like jumped on you. But that's terrifying for people sure. too. It's also terrifying for me mm-hmm. because I don't I never knew how long it was going to take for me to find the dude. Right. So right. with that, and that was 10 years ago, the stuff like this didn't exist. It's so true. Yeah. It's so true. And in the four years that we've been working on Scholar, <clears throat> it has come from like this idea because th- there was one company that that came out early on and kind of took the market um and since then there's been just this wealth of technology feeders and doors yeah. and trackers and activity monitors and monitoring for health and telemedicine all these things and it's fantastic the problem is still exists though which is that for the pet parent to manage all that it's a disaster so we saw that as the opportunity and that's why we built it as an open platform so we can partner with anyone and everyone in the industry to make that caller do anything that you need it to do so whether you're trying to find your pit bull chow mix because he's on a you know he's visiting the, the neighbors again he was just crazy <laughs> or if he's like suddenly not eating his food and water we're keeping an eye on that because of the technology you don't have to get into the vet's office and have them go so is he eating and, and having water and you're like uh, i think so you know the, the technology is keeping an eye on all of that and all that's getting you know pushed up to the cloud so that everyone who's paying attention to any of these different features that you're trying to manage for your animal the, the technology is taking care of it for you. So it makes it, it for me, I view myself as being in the, in, the rela- in the relationship business, making that relationship between my animal and me better. So and that- also the relationship between your software platform and the rest of the world. Absolutely. You know, it was, uh, you know, I'm also the founder of Gigabook. It's a booking mm-hmm. platform. You actually used it to schedule a couple yes, things yes, recently, yes, <laughs> your appearance on this podcast yeah. and also to reserve some tickets and the full scale suite yeah. for an upcoming suite and greet event. We're going to get crazy with Post Malone. I'm but, super excited. But, you know, as we started building that, and that was, you know, six years ago at this point, um, you know, we spotted early on the high need for customization with mm-hmm. pretty much any software mm-hmm. platform and so many of the things that, and and then also integration. Now, as we went to go do that, we immediately, it was like, I would say it would be like the equivalent of getting out of a hot tub and jumping into a uh, ice bath because oh. you realize how many things you can connect to and you're like mm-hmm. oh mm-hmm. wow mm-hmm. like where do we start yeah. Yeah. and yeah. and that and really in the end that's a limit a limitless number it's i really mm-hmm. do believe the number of software platforms that you could connect to might be infinite because by the totally. time if you ever caught up with it they're just more yeah you know they're coming out every day so yeah. was your original intention with what you designed to be that kind of open platform <laughs> or did you figure out the same way i did you're mm-hmm. like oh wow we better open this up in a hurry. Well, so we, we, we devised it as an open platform because that's what we do. Our first company, which was acquired by Autodesk, was also an open platform um, because platforms um, scale bigger and they move industries. Like all of these new things that we take for granted, like Airbnb and Uber, those are all platforms. Salesforce are all platforms. The ability for them to integrate externally is what makes them so powerful. So we knew that we needed to build as an open platform. And it's challenging because a lot of people look at that and they culturally, you have to be able to do it as well. It's not just technologically, but um, what we didn't realize is that the technology we created would be such an enabling technology for many, many types of animals. So we started with dogs and cats because that was our pain point. 
But now, now that we're here in Kansas City, we're working with the ranching industry to enable um, ranchers who are doing production animals to um, have efficiencies and actually more profit with our technology. Um, we've had people from the horse racing industry reach out to us. We've had people from the camel racing industry. Weird, right? But because we can capture all these things on the platform and we can do what nobody else can do, it, it just means that we can move the platform wherever we want. We actually call it powered by scholar sure because we want to be the engine for the entire animal care industry and that was the surprise because it was just like let's not have multiple callers on our animals let's do it as an open platform now is this like let's be the engine for animal care that was the surprise sure and that's you know that and that's like a whole nother challenge i'm sure we could probably sit here and talk about for an hour mm -hmm. in a separate episode and and um i think that from an end user perspective when it comes to building software platforms especially things that integrate it's easy to be like oh well why doesn't this connect to everything and then you start mm -hmm. trying to do it and you're like wow this is a lot more complex than yeah. I hoped it would be. So yeah. good luck with all that. <laughs> well, um, the good news is that a lot of the big corporate players are, are knocking on our door now. Whereas three years ago, you know, we, nobody understood what we were doing. We we're too far ahead. But now um, we're working with a multinational pharmaceutical company. We're working with three telcos. We had an international car company reach out to us because they know that we can integrate with what they're doing for the benefit of the animal. And that's powerful. Yeah, and sure. So finally, they, so finally we're, we're getting there. So I want to just talk about this for a second. Yeah. Um, this isn't usually the migratory pattern, but mm -hmm. you've just moved your business from yeah. San Francisco or the Valley. <laughs> yeah. To Kansas City. It's funny to hear how how all y'all Kansas Cityans talk uh, about it. <laughs> well, you know, here's here's the thing is is well, the first, valley first or off, the coast. So sometimes people, you know, this isn't just a Kansas City podcast. Mm -hmm. We're just here in Kansas City, mm -hmm. and we've uh, last month we had listeners from all fifty states, nice. and we've had one hundred and ninety countries participate in Startup Hustle. And thank you, everyone. Thank you for that. Yeah, that's for awesome. Real. Now with that. Um, you know, so we consider ourselves to like, we like to take a global approach, but yeah, that's our hometown. Mm -hmm. We record the mm -hmm. show here yeah. and you, we don't do call-ins yet, um, stuff like that. But one of the hot topics here and in a lot of the other cities, so Kansas city, let's be realistic. We're, you know, we're like the 25th biggest market. We're not, we're not the Valley or New York or mm -hmm. Boston or even Austin. Mm -hmm. Now with that, um, that presents, a, a, in my opinion, a lot of strengths, but the overall perception is that people migrate out of cities here and they move to, you know, San Francisco and some of these other yeah. things. Now, some of that's just a population thing. I mean, it's where some certain things are happening, but people, but I have over the last couple of years, oh, regularly there's announcements similar to your company. Mm -hmm. People are moving back to cities like here now. I feel that the reasons are often related to expense, sometimes opportunity. Mm -hmm. um, now people don't a lot of people don't realize this, but like Kansas City is part of what's often known as the animal health corridor. That's right. Yeah. And that might be strategic with you. But what was your um, just transparently like? What was the motivation or some of the reasons behind moving? Yeah. Um but you you nailed it. The first one was the fact that this is the animal health corridor. And what I find fascinating is how many people in Kansas City don't realize it. You in Kansas City, now this is my new hometown, so I should say in Kansas City, Welcome. we thank you. We have 60% of the animal health companies mm -hmm. in the world are located here. So this is the biggest playground for animal health in the world. And um, that means that the partnership opportunities, and again, we're an open platform, so everything is about collaboration and integration. Everything is here. So it made sense for us to be here. And then you also talked about the expense. You know, San Francisco, I've been there for a long, long time in the San Francisco Bay Area. Um, and, uh, you know, it's been home for a very long time. I got married there, raised my children there. It is so hard to build a company there now. It's yeah. really expensive. They don't do hardware. Um, I, I, you know, after we sold our first company, I became an angel investor for a long time and I knew all those people. And when I went back with Scholar as a hardware, they were like, uh, yeah, it's this really great idea. And then like crickets. Oh, okay. So we realized that we needed to find another, um, area to grow the company, but we just didn't know where. And then I presented to the Animal Health Investment Forum a year ago, August, and we're standing in the beautiful convention center. You know, it looks out over downtown. And, and I said to my colleague, 
what is this amazing place? This is wonderful. We Kansas City wasn't on our radar at all, but it immediately got on our radar. And then we started working with all these different agencies in Kansas City, the state, the corridor folks, and people just took us under the wing and they helped us move the business here. Are you in Kansas or Missouri? We're in Missouri. Okay. And we have, an, we have an agreement with the state of Missouri. Gotcha. Yeah. yeah. Um, so a lot of people that aren't from the area don't realize that there's an invisible line it's weird. through our hometown. Yeah. And it's in two different states, which mm -hmm. creates this like weird, mm -hmm. like which side of the state line are you on? And then the states kind of fight with each, each other about who's going to get who to move across this invisible mm -hmm. line yeah. and and just a fun fact so the startup hustle studio the office of stackify and full scale is on state line road yeah. and if i walk and if i walk across that road i'm in the state of missouri right. and I, but currently i'm in the state of kansas so well, when i when i drove north yeah. to get here today yeah. i was in missouri yeah. and when i drive south on the way back i will be in kansas yeah and so what we do because we live um uh, in uh, Westport. So we're very close to the state line. So we, yep. when we take our dog for a walk, we'll literally walk in the middle of state line road and be like, I'm in yeah. Kansas. I'm in Missouri. Yeah. I'm in Kansas. It's, I'm uh, in Missouri. It's uh, now I grew up also <laughs> right next to state line road. So that's become uh, not as much of a novelty <laughs> item for me. Okay, for it'll wear off. It'll wear it off. Quickly. But, but yeah, so with that, that, you know, that presents a lot of different, um, I mean, sometimes challenges, opportunities or different stuff, but I mean, technically like, our businesses are in different states, even though we're a mile away. It, it is a very so, yeah. interesting thing because, as you say, it's very fluid. You can't tell. If you didn't know, you wouldn't yeah. know that you were going across state line. And some of our partners are in Kansas. We just happen to be located in Missouri. Sure. And that doesn't usually affect anything other than the entity, mm -hmm. meaning like you, like mm -hmm. you're going to pay tax or whatever in Missouri. Right. I, right. We're in Kansas, so yeah. whatever. I grew up in Kansas. I've been kind of used to that, but there's always interesting things that can come up. So, you know, and, and, in regards to, well, first off, welcome. Thank you. Um, Kansas city has been an interesting uh, city. I think that it's often underrated mm -hmm. when it comes to a lot of stuff. There's a very robust startup scene here. Yes. Um, yes. And, you know, in very my, passionate. in my opinion, that really uh, kicked off when Google fiber decided to make Kansas city the first place mm -hmm. that they, that they we're going to do gigabit internet. Mm -hmm. And when was that? It's like six and a half years ago. Okay. Ish. Yeah. Ish. You know, um, we, uh, it, w with that, <laughs> what, what that did was yeah. that actually, uh, it was a validating factor for a lot of things, but it also brought a lot of businesses here that wanted to be ahead of the curve. On yeah. You mentioned telemedicine yeah. at one point, and maybe that was before we started recording even, but with that, there were things that at the time that that gigabit internet gave you access to mm -hmm. tests and get involved with that might yeah. not have been available. Now that gigabit speeds all over mm -hmm. now, but at the time that yeah. was, that was interesting. You know, there's also the other Renaissance, which happened downtown. And, uh, and we learned that's, about that's this. That's been a big too. Yeah, yeah. We learned about this when we were still figuring out if we wanted to come. And, uh, one of the people that was part of that Renaissance was telling us a story about you too. Have you heard this story? It's, a, it's a really great story. So there, you know, the, the, the people in the, in the sort of city, government are like, yeah, okay, maybe we should do something about Kansas City downtown. And then you two called and said, hey, we want to film a music video here. And so they're like, oh, actually, we're doing great. We're doing great. You know, we just need to keep doing what we're doing. So they they come, you two comes and, and so the the, uh, the city's like, what do you need us to do? Do you need permits? Do you need like, you just to close streets up? They're like, nope, we're good. So they film the video and they leave and then the video gets released and it's a zombie apocalypse video. <laughs> it's literally all of downtown Kansas City is dead. There's no cars. There's no oh, people. And so they saw that video and they went, oh, I guess we need to do something about this. And so now we spend a lot of time down in Crossroads, Power and Light, downtown. In fact, one of our co-founders lives downtown because she loves that. It's so vibrant. And on New Year's Eve, we went, we Ubered down there. And then we did like all these speakeasies and walked around everywhere. It was fantastic. I love the scene and the vibe down there. It's yeah, wonderful. That, that's changed over time. So growing up, and I grew up in the south suburbs and in, in Leewood, mm -hmm. I'm not close to downtown at all. But downtown, when I grew up, was not somewhere that was like really that attractive or desirable. Right. Um, a lot of that changed when uh, they built the Sprint Center and mm -hmm. what is known as the Power and Light District. So the Sprint Center, that's actually where Full Scale does our sweet and great events. And that's like your local arena. Mm -hmm. I mean, that's where the big concert acts come and stuff like that. And that created kind of an anchor store of right. sorts. And then yeah. a lot of 
other cultural things sprung up or mm-hmm. grew quickly around that. A lot of people, it really the the rebirth of the urban scene. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, unlike San Francisco in Kansas City, we have lots of space. Oh yeah, you know, yeah. We're not as stacked up on top of each other. So with that, the mm-hmm. city's very spread out. Yeah. And um, and you know, that's, that's something I think, uh, our city is really proud of is to, and it's fun, you know, yeah. it's fun. It's nice down there. And I think that the same reaction, so there's an event that, uh, that a local organization called back to KC hosts. And yeah, mm-hmm. you probably went to it last year, maybe, I don't know, but they try to, mm-hmm. they at, invite people that were once in Kansas city to come back oh, okay. and see what's up. And it's really an awareness raising event. Mm-hmm. And uh, we were one of the, we, we sponsored it a bit. We actually hosted an event at the sprint center for yeah. some of those participants yeah. and same reaction we get from a lot of people like, wow, it's either like, wow, this has really changed. This mm-hmm. has come up mm-hmm. or this was not what I was expecting. This is cool. Yeah. And it was interesting when we told our family and friends that we were moving to Kansas city, they went, I'm sorry, where? Yeah. They're like, what? what? <laughs> and, are, and, are you becoming a farmer? No. And that, you know, so we had to educate them about the arts and the culture that's mm-hmm. here and the music and the distilleries. And like the other night we went out with a new friend of ours to a symphonic concert at Kaufman Center, which is gorgeous by right. the way. And then we went to, um, record bar yep. to listen to it's jazz a, and rhythm to blues. It's a cool venue. It's just amazing. Yeah. There's so much happening here. And for us, as we grow the company, we want to attract people here to come here. Like I absolutely love being in Kansas city. And I, like I said, I lived in San Francisco for a decade. I was in, you know, we still have a home in Sonoma County an hour North. We've been there for 20 years. So I there, there, there's some things too that with, and whether it's Kansas city or other cities, well, first yeah. off, you're operating at a much lower expense rate. Oh my God. It's incredible. Not only yeah. on a personal level, but yeah. at a business level. Sure. And mm-hmm. then, you know, so I, uh, I've grown up spending time in and around Texas and oh, yeah. Austin yeah. is always people. Like, oh, it's so cool. Like Kansas city and Austin have the exact same attributes. Maybe mm-hmm. we don't have an Apple headquarters coming mm-hmm. here, but that cultural thing, you're talking about yep. lots of venues, music, um, food, um, areas that are cultural centers and stuff like that. Yeah. And, and you can have a lot of fun and, and cities like that and attract a lot of people. Cause here's the thing is, uh, when I talk to people that are in, that live on quote, the coasts, it takes them about five minutes for them to be like, dude, it's so expensive here. Oh yeah. I got to buy a house and it's like $4 million. Oh, well, you know, and I'm like, how big is that? And they're like 2000 square feet. I'm like, <laughs> two bedrooms. is it on the, <laughs> is it on the moon? <laughs> yeah. Well, that's another thing. I've got to do this. You know, I'm like, well, wow. You know, the other really great surprise of being here is everything's 20 minutes away. Yeah. So in the Bay and area, if you ask my wife, yeah. everything is actually 20 minutes away, even when it's not. So yeah. we're often late because of that assumption. So sometimes. <laughs> okay. Sometimes it's 22. <laughs> However, in the Bay area, if you want to go any place, mm. it's at least an hour. And then you hit all that traffic. It yeah. adds, you know, another 45 minutes. So it's just, you know, it's a disaster. So it's a delight for us. And then yeah. rush hour traffic here. What a great thing. It's yeah. Just... Well, it doesn't really exist. And, yeah. and I go through that a lot. So I, you know, I've go, I've been, I go all over the place for a lot of different things. It was just, we just did some uh, podcast episodes. Uh, look up Matt goes to tech crunch. Mm-hmm. Um, and you know, we get out there and, and, and I do love those kind of environments, yeah. but I also love leaving because <laughs> mm-hmm. I'm like, wow, this is like a pain in the butt, mm-hmm. like some of it. And, but at the same time, it's fun to be around people that are doing innovative and awesome things. Um, and that, that was, that was a hot topic. So we did some, uh, we're the full scales, the development partner of launch KC. And for those of you that are interested, regardless of where you are, go to launchkc.org and, and apply to be part of their accelerators. They're going to push like 35 companies through that. Lots of fun verticals, but when we, but some of their clean tech, Mm -hmm. um, cohort were, uh, San Francisco based companies. So we also mm. went and, st- and mm-hmm. talked to them yeah. and I did ask them, I said, is it real, is it hard to compete for talent here? And they mm-hmm. said, it's expensive. It's not necessarily hard. I said, well, okay, explain. They said, cause I kind of went under the assumption that everyone just wanted to like work at Facebook or, mm-hmm. or Google or something mm-hmm. like that, because you know, they are what they are. And I was actually a little surprised with the responses, but then it became universal. They said, no, it's not hard to attract talent because people don't necessarily want to work, feel like they're spending their day improving platforms that help people post what they're eating for dinner. Like there's not a whole lot of sense of ownership that comes in that, but with like what they were doing and the clean tech initiatives that people wanted to be involved in something that they felt mattered. Mm -hmm. 
And now with that, they still wanted to be paid accordingly. Sure. But yeah. yeah so when you were out there, um, did you have a hard time? Uh, what was the, What was it like trying to compete in that environment or attract talent? It's hard to attract talent because people job hop. Yeah. Sure. Um, and and we were up in the wine country, which is an hour north of San Francisco. So I used to commute into the city um, several days a week, which gets long and old and boring. Um, but people uh, do like those companies. You know, there's a lot of them there. There's Twitter and Snapchat sure. and, and um, Facebook and Every, Apple I mean, and everyone's Google. There, everyone's yeah. there, right? Yeah. And we had an intern who ended up going to Apple, and she's still there. Um, She's helping us with a hackathon that we're planning, which I should probably tell you about because that's happening up in April. But um, it's hard to keep people because it's so expensive there that everyone's always on this kind of upward trajectory. Whereas here, one of the things that I heard and I'm hoping is true is that people, they come and they stay because I want to like groom the people that are going to become part of the scholar pack and have them grow with us. It's hard to keep people. I, I have like this conversation area. all day with people that become full scale clients and mm-hmm. said, so what's the, what's the biggest problem? And they said, well, I got a massive turnover. Mm-hmm. So tell me why they're like, everyone just, the people just don't stay. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. that's been like something that's been a hot, cause we yep. have minimal turnover at full scale. I don't mm-hmm. even know if you know what we do. We just help companies like your scale, a development team faster, mm-hmm. make it like turnkey. Yeah. So, you know, we hire expert developers in our office in the Philippines and the, and that allows easier access or maybe more of an ability to get the very best people you can here yeah. kind of dollar cost average yeah, that absolutely. team it makes sense it's it's great yeah. for some some people it's not the right fit i mean whatever um but yeah i mean that is a universal thing that people tell me and for example um, there's like 3000 open tech jobs in I know, Kansas, and that's in Kansas city. Yeah, and the thing is, yeah. is, is that it's that way everywhere. There's mm-hmm, uh, mm-hmm. like 350,000 nationwide and filling that gap of talent yeah. is tough. So, yeah. and that may, and that here's the thing is that makes it a seller's market. Sure. So, so that's contributes to that, mm-hmm. that employee churn. Um, and then also it, it seems on the, on, we'll say once again, the coasts, there's a different expectation for compensation mm-hmm. in some regards, because everyone, well, what kind of equity do I get? Yeah. Well, we're like, uh, five months old, so I don't know <laughs> yet, you know, and just some of those answers yeah. are tough for people, yeah. but yeah, it's, uh, and perks. Yeah, sure. Perks, lots yeah. of Where's perks. the bowling alley? Mm-hmm. It's no. down the street. It's yeah. a completely different business where they bowl and we yeah. actually work here. I, that's yeah. We've had fun and interesting conversations about some of that, the, uh, you know, work culture. Cause I, and I've gone, uh, and I won't mention the company, but a few years ago I was in Times Square mm. and I was in a, in a very well-known building with some very well-known companies. And I was in one of them talking to the CEO and and he's showing me all the shit that they do. And I mm. was like, when do you guys work? Mm-hmm. Like that is literally mm-hmm. what I said. He kind of laughed. He's yeah. like, yeah, I get it. But this yeah. is what it takes to be competitive here. Yeah. So who knows? Yeah. I mean, yeah. that's always an interesting balance. So, all right. So once again, go to scholar, S-C-O-L-L-A-R.com and check out what they're doing. Now you mentioned you got a hackathon. Let's, yes. let's, let's see if we can, let's, let's generate some hype for that. Yeah, what, what, what is that and how, and how can people participate? So we are just, um, in the throat, in the beginning stages of starting to do the, uh, uh, promotion and outreach for it. It's going to be April 3rd and 4th at Linda Hall Science Library. So, so here, 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 locally. here in Kansas okay. city, um, and it'll be a 24 hour hackathon and we're looking for, um, college age students and people that are just a couple of years out of college. So what we, and it was kind of an accident that this got planned. Um, I was asked by Eric Ward, who's one of the VPs there at Linda Hall Science Library to present at their second Saturdays. And so I, I came and I started talking about, you know, value driven business and millennials and how businesses change and all this sort of stuff. And, um, he was telling me that they were looking at doing some sort of a hackathon thing and they had this organization they were going to work with and it fell through. And I said, we don't need them. Let's make a hackathon because I've done makeathons in, in California. And so he says, okay. So I started pulling together a team. So we have people um, from various big corporations as well as internal to Linda Hall Science Library and, and some people that, that I know that have now started planning this. So we're super excited. It's the very first one. What were the dates again? April 3rd and 4th. And how does someone sign up for that? Or inquire about it. Is that on the Scholar website? Uh, it's or not on the. It, it it will be on the Linda Hall Science Library website. 
Um, but what if people want to know about it, um, you can send them my way. Just send them to eltamayo at scholar.com and I'll tell them how to get involved because we want hackers in the room, man. We want to see what young people are doing and, and uh, help them out. Interesting. I've never been to a hackathon. It's, you know, pro it's probably because I'm not a developer. Oh, you know what? You should come to this one. And the Maybe. reason that it's so cool is because you have teams of like anywhere from two to five people. They have 24 hours to take this dumb idea that they've got in their head and actually make it work. So whether it's a hackathon and you're just doing coding or it's a makeathon and you're actually working with Arduinos and Raspberry Pis and making, you know, something hardware related to see that process in 24 hours is just the coolest thing ever. So yeah, sure. Yeah. You have to come and check it out. You know, you just mentioned a couple of things that I think that are fun. So we're talking about IOT. Um, we're also talking about the, uh, the, the talent shortage per se. Mm -hmm. Um, I have a lot of conversations with people about why that even exists yeah. and there's a lot of reasons, but in my opinion, the rise of IOT has everything to do with it. Mm -hmm. Um, not necessarily because of your product, but yeah. you look at certain things like, all right, so, um, I was once did some consulting for a 160 year old drinking fountain ma maker. Mm -hmm. They were trying to figure out how to modernize their business. And, and mm -hmm. I, and, um, <laughs> and here's the thing, drinking fountains, which are like literally the Romans had drinking yeah, fountains. Yeah, okay. Like, yeah. like no tech. Mm -hmm. And now drinking fountains have software in them because a lot of them have that little thing that tells you how many bottles of, of water you saved yeah, and yeah. stuff like that. And I yeah. asked the founder, I said, or the owner, who's like a fourth generation owner, something like that. I said, do you ever think you would have software in a drinking, in a drinking fountain. fountain. And I, and F yeah. no. Yeah. 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 And now with that, there's so many things that are connected to so much different mm -hmm. stuff. And mm -hmm. all of that is technically software. Yeah. Now with that, uh, one, a friend, uh, a startup hustle alumnist and a local founder here, Davion Ross of shot tracker mm -hmm. has the best quote about hardware. He said, Matt, hardware is hard. <laughs> I don't think he can take credit for that. <laughs> well, regardless, I mean, it is. I mean, it's, it's that's hard. He, he, yeah. as, far, as far as I know, he he is the original person to make that statement here on the show. <laughs> okay, but, fair. That's yeah, fair. so I always credit him with it. But it it's, is, but it's it is, true. It is excruciatingly hard. So yeah. you mentioned Arduino yeah. and Raspberry Pi, and some people know what that is, and some people don't. the The cool thing about the modern world mm -hmm. is these are things like like an Arduino is a programmable. Yeah, something. Mm -hmm. um, and like we had a, a previous guest in here that had used that to create something that triggered something else and blah, blah, blah. Mm -hmm. There's mm -hmm. a lot of quote kit kind of stuff yeah, out totally. there that you can nerd out on mm -hmm. and kind of make your, you know, see if you can do it. Now, once again, years ago, yeah. that wasn't as accessible. It wasn't as open. There weren't a lot of things that you could do in that regard. And yeah. I think it's really cool that there are things that you can hack together. And and it's important too, yeah. because, you know, even a middle schooler can figure out how to use a Raspberry Pi and do something with it. And that's really important because of what you just said about yeah. IoT. Everything is moving in that direction. And so the workforce of the future needs to be not only understanding what that is and how it works, but they need to know how to like actually make the tech continue to evolve. And they're so 24 seven on the way that they digest information is so much faster than, than generations behind us did. They're just so much more sophisticated. They multitask. I mean, think about the fact like my kids would be on their phone, be doing homework on their computer and watching TV at the same time and tracking all of it. So there's just this whole different way that we interface with with this kind of technology. So the young people that are going to be growing up into these jobs that I'm creating tomorrow need to understand this. And so making it accessible was brilliant. And, and I think that for future founders too, you know, if you look back 20 years ago for something like what an Arduino or a Raspberry mm -hmm. Pi does, you might've had to have someone go build that for you. Mm -hmm. Or it just wasn't like open and available and, and stuff yeah. like that. So theoretically for a couple hundred bucks, you mm -hmm. can try to piece together something and just see if it even, it, what it yeah. requires. You can and, play. And yeah. not only for the, and, and that's, a, you know, so I mentioned, I'm an old dad at, at 44. I've got a three-year-old and a five-year-old oh, and I'm not a developer. I, I, people ask me all the time if I am now, mm -hmm. the other math is I tell people I write checks, not code. 
which is <laughs> also you. an important part of the process. <laughs> very important. But I don't, I mean, it's never really been my thing. I employed hundreds of developers at this yeah. point, but, but, you know, with that, I'm making sure my kids have some basic understanding. Sure. I don't know if I need them to be software developers, but I want them sure. to, to, at a very early age, we're starting to, to tinker with things. Yeah, absolutely. I have a photograph of my youngest daughter, who's now 21. And she had a headset on similar to what I'm wearing today, except it had the little boom on it, right? Yeah. And she's kneeling in front of our desk at the computer. She's playing a computer game. She's two years old. So they grew up with that. I mean, first, you know, we're dorks. So we've been doing software for 20 odd years. So they grew up around it. But they're so conversant in it. They're so comfortable with it. And and the other thing that's really important about that is like, the you know, the fact that Scholar is an open platform. All of that kind of working, the way we work and live now has changed. And the millennial and, and Gen Z generations totally embrace that and they're pushing it. They're accelerating that kind of metamorphosis of society as a result of all these IoT things. And I'm right in the midst of that and I love it. Like I, our, when my kids were teenagers, our house was the house. So I got to like all the teenagers would come over and I got to meet all of them and, and watch them grow up and see how they interact with society and technology and all that. So I have an understanding of it. And it's, it's really interesting. I think that's important. Um, you know, so my daughter, Dylan, who just turned five, wanted to start a lemonade stand. And she's <laughs> got that. She has yeah. got the entrepreneur gene. Awesome. Like, and it's amazing. She's an amazing salesperson at five. She knows how to handle objections and stuff like that. And I, I feel sorry for I, you when well, she hits 14. <laughs> hey, you know what? I'll tell you, you know, I've talked so much about sales and I, and I consider myself to be a top salesperson. So much of that revolves around your ability to just ask. Mm -hmm. And, you know, some I've bought things because I was just so happy that a salesperson actually yeah. asked me to buy something. Will you do this? They're like, do yeah. you want to go ahead and get this? I'm yeah. like, sure. Yeah. Like, yeah. I'm just so shocked when they yeah. ask. I'm yeah. like, God, that's like the most basic element. But um, I actually took her to uh, the uh, the Innovate Her demo oh, night uh, because I she which, so she wanted to start a lemonade stand and i said mm -hmm. but dylan you don't know anything about business mm -hmm. you got to learn so i took mm -hmm. her there to to be around awesome. the other female That's entrepreneurs great. which was really That's fun great. because after she wanted to give a presentation mm -hmm. and i said you're not ready for that yet but did she learn something it was really funny she made herself a name tag uh -oh. and then went and raised seven dollars for her lemonade stand oh she's like what do i need to do i'm like well you need money for your lemonade stand she goes well what do i need i said there's a room full of people go ask and she was gone on. Like she turned that's, into, va she turned fantastic. into vapor, like right yeah. in front of yeah. me and came yeah. back with some money. And I was like, Whoa. And yeah. <laughs> it's so the apple in the tree thing. We're up to like $17 and change. <laughs> and she's like, that's a good start. That'll yeah, get you going. Hey, it's yeah. yeah. But yeah. with that, it's, I think it's important, um, as, as not only as parents, but also, and I say this, I'm like going to totally sound old here, but you know, when I was young, I had a lot of people that, that kind of, I don't want to say took me under their wing, but they actually took time to just kind of take, totally. an, take an interest in what I was doing. Yeah. yeah. And you, and know, these, you, you have these to are, pay that forward. And, and I do. Mm -hmm. And that's, and I, and that's what yeah. I'm saying is, well, first mm -hmm. off back to that asking thing, go find the people that you, that are doing what you want to yeah. do, even if it's not in the industry yeah. that you want to do it in and ask them if you can just like, you know, I don't, I'm not a big fan of the coffee invite. Mm -hmm. I don't like being asked to get up and go somewhere else to come deliver information. So I always recommend, I'm like, ask me, say, can I come by your office and yeah. just, and, and ask you a few questions or do something, make it convenient for yeah. that person. But you'll be surprised. Some people won't reply and some people will be cool oh, yeah. about it's it. It's absolutely but that true. that forward and is important. The ask part is a craft. It's a yeah. skill because um, when I first started trying to raise money for Scholar externally, because uh, John and I um, um, put our own funds in and kept it in stealth for a while. And when we had to go out and start asking other people for, for money, that was hard for me. Yeah. Um, Partly because I had this bias, like, oh, I'm a woman CEO, which is baloney. Uh, two years on, I have learned that the ask is a share. Like, yeah. I'm not saying to you, hey, I need you to give me your money. I want to share this opportunity. Yeah, with sure. You. You're going to want to get involved in this. And here's why. And I had to learn that. And and one of the my favorite authors wrote a book called Pitch Anything. His name is Oren Claff. Have you read this book? I haven't. If you, I'll, I'll, I'll send you the information later, but Oren Claff, K-L-A-F-F -F, for all of our listeners out there, pitch anything. This book completely turned my whole world upside down because it en enabled me to put myself in that framing. When I walk into a room and talk to an investor, they need me. 
They need me more than I need them. They won't admit that to you no, right away, not. people. Of course so, not. So let me ask yeah. you a question. All right. So, so all of this stuff for my personality mm-hmm. type, like natural, like mm-hmm. I don't have a hard time with it. It doesn't make me nervous. I don't freak out about yeah. it. It's like very intuitive. Were you like that or did you have to teach yourself? To I had be... to teach myself. It's hard. So right? I'm strategy. I'm finance. I'm, um, connection with the customer. I, I had to get over the fact that I had to stop viewing myself as a female CEO and just like, look, the buck stops on my desk. I got to fix thank, it. Thank you for that. Cause <laughs> I look at yeah. when I, when I sit across from Lisa, I'm like, you're an entrepreneur like, yeah. and I, I don't like the labels. Yeah. Like yeah. now I get chewed on a little bit for that. I do. I do. I get cheated on a little bit. Well, I don't either. I don't either. Cause I mean, well, first off I, you know, by the way, 20, like 23% of our developers are female. Yes. Which is way high Love it. compared to the industry average. They're really yeah. good at what they yeah. do. Yes. Um, and why I, not? Of course they are. I care less if they are women or men. And mm-hmm. then the same thing goes. Now, I understand some people are like that. And, I, and I'm not trying to downplay yeah. the this, this situation. But that said, looking at yourself, you're discounting yourself. Mm-hmm. As, as when you say, well, I'm going to this or that yeah. or that, go in there and, and don't, why do we do that? Don't give a shit. Yeah. And also like you mentioned is I think a lot of people when it comes to fundraising or any of these things, even general selling are, they're like, they, you, you explain the benefits mm-hmm. that b- everyone receives yeah. and it makes the whole process that much easier. Yeah. Like this is how you can benefit. This is what we're going to do. Blah, 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 blah. And yeah. don't be afraid to say, is this something you're interested in participating? Yeah. In? And I don't even phase it like that, Matt, no. to be perfectly honest with you. I say, you're going to be interested in this. Let's go. Because I, I'm giving the intermediate approach. Yeah, if, I, you, I, if you leave a question on the table, you offer them the opportunity yeah. to say no. And then, and this is all learned. Yep. Um, because, uh, it, it didn't come naturally for me. Um, now that I'm in this place, uh, now that we have partners and we have some growth, I just want to bring everyone along. You yep. know, if I'm going to work 12 hours a day, seven days a week, it's to make that relationship with animals better. I love it so much. I just want people to come along with us. And, and that took a little while to learn. Um, I, I and, was, and you're, you're operating in the advanced version of that, which mm-hmm. I often refer to as assumptive selling mm-hmm. that I'm just assuming that you're uh, coming of course along. You are. Yeah. So yeah, na- now with that, if, if you're afraid and that's hard for you, well, either you can just jump and then build wings and go straight, you can go straight to that. Yeah. I don't get, I, I don't know about it. Afra- I don't get afraid. I'm, I see. I, I, Cause I'll just keep asking I nervous. I will well, just sure. move yeah. down the line. Yeah. Like, and, and when it comes to sales, there are two four letter words that matter mm-hmm. sold and next. <laughs> like, yes. because if you're not getting the yeah. first one, say yeah. the second one yeah. and keep moving down yeah. the line. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's just, and, and, um, I think the hardest part when it, when it comes to selling fundraising or just trying to create partnerships mm-hmm. is, is the rejection. But yeah. guess what? You're guaranteed to get rejected by Absolutely. a ton of people. Just settle in. So, so yeah. I am going to encourage you to just accept that mm-hmm. and 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 key on Keep going. those two four letter words, yeah. sold and next. Well, and the other piece is I have found that the more that I respect the person that I'm reaching out to and understand what their lens is and that I don't waste their time. Like we, we spend a lot of time crafting the message, a lot of time crafting how I present because I'm, I'm the front face. So I'm out there presenting scholar everywhere. And I can tell you that I practice and I practice and yep. I practice and I practice and, and like we're, we're getting ready to do some outreach now and we will beat the crap out of that message mm-hmm. until we get it just right with all of the different nuances. So it's worth taking that extra time. I've had entrepreneurs say to me, I don't have time to do that. And I say to them, you don't have time not to do that. Yeah. Otherwise so you're wasting I, people's time. I refer to that as fact shaping mm-hmm. and uh, that, it, so there's an infinite number of ways to say anything. Which means theoretically, there are ways that are way better than others. Mm-hmm. And I spend a lot of time doing exactly the same. Um, and this is funny because when you envision this, you'll think you'll think, man, he looks like a crazy person. I do a lot of that while I'm driving. Sure. sure I, sure, I will sure. drive. I mean, yeah, if I, yeah. I, I, mean, I just kind of say it out loud mm-hmm, and you mm-hmm. say it again and again mm-hmm. and again and again and again. Um, yeah. You know, I recently wrote a book called The Realist Guide to a Successful Music Career. Mm-hmm. Although I don't have a career, like a career mm-hmm. in music, like most people, I worked in the yeah. music industry for yeah. 10 years. With that, I've been able to have access to some of the world's most brilliant and genius musicians. Nice. Every single one of them practices more than anybody oh, yes. I've ever met. Oh, yeah. They have a high Absolutely. level of aptitude that went with it, mm-hmm. but they 
practice, practice, practice. Mm -hmm. And mm -hmm. one of my uh, favorite people, uh, Jake Seninger, who's a guitarist in a band named Humphreys McGee's regarded as like a top 20 world guitarist. I said, Jake, I, every time I see you, you're practicing, he goes, no, I don't practice. He goes, I said, well, what are you doing? He goes, well, I'm just playing. I said, mm -hmm. well, tell me why. He goes, the closer I stay to that part of that I need to be in my mind, mm -hmm. the easier it is for me to insert myself on a high level. Sure, sure. And you look at like what, what a guy like that does. Now he's on stage in front of 5,000 people who are all going to be critical if he misses a note. And he has to turn that on. Like That's inspiration right. is a difficult switch yeah. to turn on yeah. automatically. So by continuing to practice and keep it in the forefront of your thought process, mm -hmm. it's just that much more natural when yeah. you get there. So like you said, practice, practice, practice. Yeah, and it becomes easier to um, execute on it on the fly. Yeah. Um, one of it needs the hardest... to be second nature. Absolutely, yeah. absolutely. And, and, and by the way, that's another thing that yeah. I heard from a lot of these high-performing musicians. They said, the moment I have to think about it is the moment, exactly I, right. the moment I it, will actually mess up. You have to have control over what you're yep. doing, not the other the way around. If it has control yeah. over you, then you will, when you do mess up and you will, then you will lose your place. One of the hardest presentations I ever gave was in Toronto. It was at the big collision conference. I had won, um, uh, the pitch, uh, competition and, and got to present on the main stage where in front of 2000 people, but I had three minutes to talk about scholar and, and you distill which your doesn't company. sound like long. And then you get up there and you're like, wow, but I respect minutes. how long this is. Well, I mean, it's also, I literally <laughs> yeah. knew every single word and I, and I, every single word was nuanced because I had only three minutes to shape that narrative about scholar in front of 2000 people. So nothing is left to chance at that point. See, I, now I'll challenge you a little there. So I take an opposite approach. I mm -hmm. can't script my whole of my whole presentation. Mm -hmm. um, and you know, you've invariably been somewhere where someone chokes the presentation. Sure, sure. Um, it's it, you can tell it's because they missed a word, and now they're going back in their mind mm -hmm. all the way through mm -hmm. that. Mm -hmm. Now, that's a requirement for some people. Sure. They're not going to. They're not going to. But that's not hard for but me. I, I will go. I will go up there. I will go up there. Well, I use what I call a set list, yeah. similar to a musician. I'll have like four points mm -hmm. that I want to make, and that mm -hmm. way, if mm -hmm. I feel like I've wandered, and also I can look at exactly. it or keep it in my mind, I'm like, okay, you need to move on, on to on this path. one, to this one, to this one, mm -hmm. and then. But timed presentations are kind of tough. That one was yeah. tough. I mean, normally when I do a presentation, anywhere from five to twenty minutes, I I know the present just like you. I know it so well. I can get back on path really quickly. Yeah. This one was was very different um and and i knew it i could move the slides around in different orders and speak to them so i knew it i had control of it so if something went awry i could quickly you know grab where i needed to go now the funny thing was i'm on stage and i was in jeans which i never do i generally wear a suit if i'm presenting but my co-founder said get up there this is you know all tech people get up there in your jeans and jacket and my had my scholar t-shirt on and I'm walking across stage in my sneakers, right? And I'm like doing the whole thing. And then I trip. Oh, wow. And then so I was like, you can't stop. You're in the middle of 2000 people. So I did this little boop doop and I smiled and kept going. You know, you just, you have to do that. You sure. have to, you have to be so comfortable that no matter what happens, you can get back on course. You know, this sounds weird, might sound weird to some people. So it was probably about five years ago. I legitimately just quit caring like mm. uh, what other people thought. Yeah. And I mean that in like the most respectful, sure. humble way, not yeah. like I'm like, here's the finger. I don't care what you think. It was like, I really just kind of quit listening to noise that was critical mm -hmm. for like, sure. It, take it in, crunch it up. Maybe it's valid. If you hear it a lot, it's pr sure. might be might something you need attention. to look at, yeah. but the one-off stuff, like mm -hmm. who cares? Mm -hmm. And, um, it really changed my, sure. I just, you know, I wasn't it, really in the end, I was just trying to let go of like, you can sometimes take negative comment sure. or situation like tripping on stage. Like you could sure. beat yourself up about yeah, that. Sure. If you haven't invented a time machine, you're not going to go fix it. No, no. Look back at it. Laugh. Yeah. You know, did you fall down? Even in the moment? No, did it was just like fall? a little, oh, no, just no. like a little, like, it was just like, like a, a little, little toe catch. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, sure. yeah. And I just kept going. But on uh, some levels that may have made that a better presentation. <laughs> well, I smiled at that. 
at that you, moment. You want to know why? <laughs> yeah. I bet all those people remembered you. <laughs> so, and I don't have them on today. It's kind of funny. I usually wear gold shoes. Mm. You may have seen me. I at, saw your shoes. They're, at, they're at, beautiful at, green or orange today. Are they green? They're like, well, they're, 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 they're yellow. Yeah. They're yeah, beautiful. Yeah, I'm dressed you, for com- you're a shoe man. I am, but yeah. I normally wear the gold shoes, yeah. especially when I go out to do events and mm-hmm. people, it's kind of become my trademark. Mm-hmm. And the reason is, is, well, it makes, it yeah. makes me memorable. Yeah. And some other oh, guy with the gold shoe. Oh, that was the course. And then Watson yeah. does the same thing now. Yeah. And it's kind of become like one of those things too, where we actually give people, like if you work for, with or around us, you may receive a gold pair of shoes, which is like a cer- almost a ceremonial thing at this mm-hmm. point. We give if you do something meaningful or yeah. like really impactful. I've yeah. given them to all the people that have been in my books. I've written mm-hmm. three books and just different stuff like That's that. Awesome. Yeah. So, yeah. but these little things do like there are ways to stand out. You mentioned like, hey, I usually wear a suit now. I'm wearing jeans. Like, mm-hmm. well, they, so I want to go back to something you said a minute ago, which is about not caring. Um, and I think that that was more for me than yeah, everyone else. No, but, but it's, yeah. it's true. Yeah. I having gotten beat the crap out of me in front of investors in the Bay area and had people say mean things like this is a niche play. This is yeah. stupid. You know, we don't do stuff like this. There's no upside and, here. And taking it. Yeah. yeah. Taking it to heart and then realizing that I can never, ever let that stop me. So first of all, when I'm speaking and I tell the team to do this too, you, I always want you to frame it positively because that sets the intention, right? And then the other thing is we have to know what we're doing. We just have to race after it. And and for me, that moment of not caring came because I have tattoos and I've had them for a long time and they're all very special to me. And the first time that I had short sleeves on in a business meeting and that person across the table saw the tattoo, there's no, you can't take that back. Like they suddenly have a different perspective of you. They may see you as like the, the the leader, right? The CEO. But the minute they see, oh, she's got tattoos, it's you're different in their mind. And I had to get over that because I like my tattoos and I don't care whether other people perceive me differently as a result. It's just part of who I am. It makes me I, more I think, interesting. I think that dynamic has changed tremendously, especially over like the oh, last they're 10 so, years. They're so beautiful like and in, artistic. In, in, in tech, as I, you know, it's funny because you know, people have been like, you mentioned a suit. Mm-hmm. I didn't even own a suit for three straight years. <laughs> mm-hmm. And, uh, I had to go to a wedding and I actually bought a suit. Uh-huh. I had an old one, but it didn't fit. Did you wear it after that? I've, ha- I've worn it twice <laughs> and I have two of them because I got the second one for half price. Yeah. And I was like, oh, all right, sure. Well, but that sucker. <laughs> it, it was kind of funny. Cause I, I probably should have had one. Cause sometimes like it, I, uh, had a, um, a guest on here, Jason grill, who's a former politician. And yeah. I was going to a lunch with the governor and he said right here on the podcast, he's like, is that what you're wearing? And I'm like, yeah. <laughs> he's like, you're going to wear jeans to go meet the governor. I'm like, I wear jeans every day. Yeah. Yeah. I it, got to meet the governor. He was at our welcome event in April and I wore exactly what I'm wearing today. My velvet Right. you know, jeans, my scholar t-shirt. And then they invited us to the chiefs Raiders game in Oakland. And I wore a chiefs t-shirt, you know, full, full tattoos and, and, you know, full display right there with the governor. This is like, you know what, this is me. I'm a tech girl. Thank you so much for having me. You're a really nice man. You know, just for, be you show up. For those of you listening, I want you to go to the startup hustle YouTube channel and check us out. See our talking heads. Lisa does not look like someone that you would think <laughs> had a lot of tattoos. <laughs> you can also check out our pictures on these at startup hustle podcast, Instagram. Um, yeah, but yeah, in the end, you know, like I think Popeye said it best. I am who I am. That's absolutely right. Yeah. yeah. And, I, that, and that's back to that not caring thing. Yeah. I mean, but, but I think that that's also, uh, that's tough to do. Um, it's some of that I think came with, age and maturity mm-hmm. just like and, and some of it too is just like like i don't have the thickest fullest head of hair that i used to i'm 44 <laughs> man i'm like kind of like al bundy now i'm like yeah i'm married to children oh you know? yeah like, right it doesn't mean i want to care i mean <laughs> would i prefer that wasn't the case yeah, yeah. but i mean it's like way out of the way to do something yeah. about it and would require effort okay so once again scholar.com uh, this has been fun and interesting i appreciate the uh the jaunt through the presentation and the sales stuff. Sure. I think that um, um, I talked to too many tech company founders yeah. that, you know, they're like, they're always like, yeah, I got to raise money. I'm like, you know, you could try to sell something too. Yeah. So actually a big I, part. on that, on that note, I have an ask Please. of you and your listeners. So we're a community-based company which it's a collaborative effort because we're a platform, right? And so we collaborate with people um, and we are so 
saddened by all the wildfires in Australia mm. that we created special edition T-shirts and stickers with the Australian flag to raise money for wires in New South Wales fire rescue. So 100% of the profits go to that. So if you go to the scholar.com website and go to products, you'll see our T-shirt page. Go pick up a T-shirt. Go pick up a sticker. All of those profits go to help. All those incredible little koalas that are being burned out of their homes, all of that rainforest, all the areas that are getting um, beaten up by these fires and now by these devastating floods, we want to help. And we need you to help us help. Yeah, please check it out. It's uh, crazy. What? It's terrible. So many things. Yeah. And, on, and so. so we're actually, the reason this is near and dear to our heart is because we're from Sonoma County. Our, our home base used to be Santa Rosa. And in 2017, we had those horrible wildfires mm -hmm. that came through and destroyed a, a quarter of our city. So wildfires are really near and dear to our hearts. So we, we just want to help. With that, as we wrap up today's episode... Um, we like to always end with what we call the founders freestyle. You mm. may have, that may have been <laughs> the, the, uh, the, the preview to yours, but, um, you know, we talked about a lot of different things. Once again, scholar.com, um, you know, you, you created the animal, animal IOT, animal IOT. community based cloud yep. platform. Mm -hmm. We talked about so many different things. I actually just want to give you a minute to go back. Uh, like we always refer to the ADD nature of the startup hustle episodes. Yeah. So we decided to put the founder freestyle at the end because sometimes it's easy to leave things unresolved. Yeah. Um, what would you like to say to all of the hustlers out there? Mm. Um, it could be advice. You can, you can really, you know, it's a freestyle. Mm. You, can, you can sing the national anthem if you want. We're not going to stop you. So one of my tattoos is just quite simply the word believe. And if you're going to be that person that, envision something, right? You want to create something. You're going to get beat up. So you need a lot of persistence and a lot of courage and you need to believe that you can do it and it's worth it. Uh, I get up every morning and I choose to do this. I quite literally left my home and moved to a different state, brought my team here and we're thrilled to be here because it allows us to, you know, uh, deliver on this promise that we make with Scholar. And, and if you want to do this, you have to believe in yourself. You have to dig deep. You have to keep going. So, you know, you, you're going to face the wall. And one of my favorite songs is actually Rihanna's song, Sledgehammer. And, and there have been times when I've felt like a puddle on the floor and I just put that song on and play it loud. And, and it's basically, I'm a sledgehammer, Bricks, I'm coming for you. You just have to believe that you can do it and keep going. So that would be the thing I would leave people with. Just believe in yourself. Keep going. Listen. Like you've said, if someone's telling you, you know, several people tell you, you may need to pivot, do it, but believe and keep going. I have recently had a guest say, believe in what you're doing or leave what you're doing. Yeah. And I think that that's my follow-up to what you're saying. Um, I think overall, you know, just because the world doesn't see your vision doesn't mean that your vision isn't any good. Um, so much of the stuff we talked about today, it's just reality. You know, like I think too many people hear no twice and quit or, you know, you mm -hmm. got to, there's a lot of starting a business, starting yeah. to being a startup founder, doing any of the stuff. It's not easy. Yeah. It's not easy. You're going to, you're going to have a lot of challenges and you're going to yeah. have to learn to do a lot of different things. You're going to have to be very humble with yourself. Like you mentioned earlier that, that maybe the sales or presentation stuff wasn't, wasn't the top yeah. priority. And I'll tell you what, you are very composed. You are, I, I have no doubt that you are a great presenter now, but, mm -hmm. it, and if that's what, if that's what it took to, yeah. I think at some point you realize, Hey, I got to maybe do better at yeah. this or feel more confident about it. And so boom, and that, those kind of things and figuring out, you, know, you have two choices there. You can either find someone else to partner with at your company that's yeah. really good at the stuff you're not, or right. you can of get to, or get to work fixing the things that yeah. you need to do. And you get and it requires, um, it requires humility. Yeah, and you know and, what? It, and, it, and 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 
And also like, especially when it comes to speaking, so many people would rather die than speak publicly. So just practice. Yeah, absolutely. Practice, practice. And then also there's a mindset thing. Like I have something on my wall that says, change your thoughts and you'll change your world. You know, you could see that no as an obstacle. You can also see it as a learning opportunity and the stepping stone to the next potential yes that and and i even see a no as a that's a maybe i'm going to come back to you sure. unless it's just absolutely a hard no don't ever contact me again which it rare, rarely is it's it's like oh that's interesting but not yet okay that's a maybe i'm going to keep that door open and keep coming back so it's just reframing how you think about it you know it's it's an op- it's always an opportunity if you see everything as an obstacle you won't go over it but if you see everything as an opportunity you will yeah and then keep in mind the people that tell you no you know things change Sure. Things change. I mean, I guess I've had a lot of people tell me no. And, and then later, then yes. Four months later, out mm-hmm. of nowhere, here's an email. Hey, you know, uh, maybe I, maybe we've, we're considering a different approach mm-hmm. or whatever. So, yeah. well, anyway, Lisa, once again, thank you for coming oh, thank in. Thank you. For, for those listening, go to scholar.com. You can check them out at, at Scholar Tales. They're all over the internet. Um, for those of you listening, once again, today's episode brought to you by fullscale.io. You can find us on YouTube, Instagram. TikTok, Twitter, LinkedIn. So many places. Everywhere. Pretty much everywhere but Pinterest. (laughs) So now I realize what I need to go do. Missed (laughs) opportunity. See you all next time. Thanks so much for listening to this episode of Startup Hustle with Matt DeCarsi and Matt Watson. For more great content and to stay up to date, visit startuphustle.xyz. And if you enjoyed today's episode, please rate and subscribe. And we'll catch you next time on Startup Hustle.